0: I want to read from, from John's Gospels, John chapter 11, and uh, this is God's Word. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord. The one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go with him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Amen. This is a great story, isn't it? It's a story that you know ever so well. We know that it gets down there and Lazarus has been dead four days and eventually then he raises Lazarus from the dead and it's amazing. It's one of the great stories uh, in the New Testament. It was a story that changed the life of, of a number of people. And when you think about it, events, we're all involved in different events at different times in our life. Some events uh, have been really exciting for us, other events have been really sad. Other events haven't been particularly important, but there's been a number of events in our lives. And we tend to do one or two things when events happen to us, whether they're good or bad. The events tend to draw us closer to God, or sometimes events in our lives, things that happen to us, tend to draw us away from God. This particular event, uh, we know that for some people, it it drove them away from God. After after Lazarus was raised and and folk were amazed, it tells us that some folk believed. But what did the chief priests and the Pharisees say? They'd said, we've had enough. This is it. This is the last straw. I've had enough. And, and for the sake of this nation, this one man must die. And so although they tried to stone him before, even though they tried to get rid of him before, because of this event, they decided that they were going to kill him no matter what it meant. Jesus had to die. So this event that, that we would have thought was a marvellous event, what actually happened was it, uh, it helped the, the Pharisees to, to fully understand in their hearts that they wanted to kill Jesus. We have lots of events in our lives. And sometimes we use those events as an excuse not to serve Jesus. We use those events to say, well, because of my condition, I'm not able to serve God. Or because of my age, I'm I'm too young to serve. When I get a bit older, a bit more mature, then I will be able to serve God more. Or some people say, well, actually, because of my age, I cannot serve God because I'm past it. I've, 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 I've gone past the best years of service and, and I don't keep particularly good health. And therefore, I can't really serve God eh, anymore because really I, I'm, I'm not fit enough. I'm not well enough or I'm not capable enough or I'm not able enough or I haven't got enough faith. Or... There's lots of reasons. Why? We don't grow deeper into Christ. And we usually use various events in our lives. Because if this happened to me, I can't do that. Because that happened to me, that's the type of person I am. And we allow the events in life can either either draw us closer to God and make us more like Jesus, or we can actually make those events, use those events to, to make us more stubborn or more resistant. To the Spirit. One of our our statements says, We hunger for His Spirit. And sometimes we allow the events in our lives to say, Well, I cannot hunger, I'm not able to hunger for His Spirit because of the things that have happened. You know, maybe God has let you down, or your perception is that God has let you down, and therefore you can't trust God, or, or, or the church has let you down because you can't, therefore you can't trust the church. And so you look at various events in your life and you allow them. To, to, to stop your growth or to stunt your growth in Christ. That's what the Pharisees did with this particular event. This event of raising Nazareth from the dead, they thought, that's it. We're not going to listen to anything else he says from now on. He, they didn't really listen before, but they thought, this is it. We're not going to listen to a word they say. We're not, he says, I'm not interested in what's happening. He must die. And therefore, they, they, they arranged his death at the worst time for them, at the Passover. But, but, but they had gone beyond worrying about that because of this event. And I thought just for a moment or two, and hopefully it will be, it will be a moment or two, I want to look at, at four people who, who used this event, or, or who this event helped them to, to deepen their faith, to become more committed to Christ. And I'm hoping it's an encouragement that there's been various events in the life of, of, of your life and the event of this church. And, and the vacancy has been one of those events. Uh, most of you haven't been through a vacancy before, uh, and it's been quite an experience for all of us. And we want to use this vacancy in the life of this church as an event that draws us closer. So we're going to look at four people uh, involved in this story. Uh, and, and, and this event transformed their life actually allowed them to grow deeper into christ an event that that seems awful in a sense that lazarus is sick and, the, and they call and they help for jesus and jesus doesn't come jesus delays and he knows what he's doing and, and when he does come he's dead four days mary and 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 martha are Devastated. They're, they're they cry. And it tells us that Jesus wept. That's the shortest verse in the Bible. And it's, and it's the occasion whenever he sees Mary and Martha. And they are heartbroken because their beloved brother has died. And he uses this event to draw them closer. So we're going to be looking at Mary and Martha. We're going to look at Lazarus. And we're going to look at Thomas uh, as well. So the first person we're going to look at is Mary. How did this event change Mary? Well, this event changed Mary so much that actually, in this event, it mentions something that hasn't happened yet. So as as they're explaining who Lazarus is, they say, Mary, the one who poured perfume uh, 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 at the feet of Jesus and used her hair to wash Jesus, that event hasn't happened yet, and yet she's known for that. You know, because it doesn't happen to the next chapter, it doesn't happen to chapter 12. But that's who she's known for. And of course, Jesus, when this happens, tells that or for that, and uh, tells the disciples that she will be known for her devotion. Mary was always devoted to Christ. We know that because we know the story really well. Whenever Jesus comes to their home and Jesus is teaching them, it tells us that while Martha is busy in the kitchen, Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus. uh, And she's listening to what he says. She's already devoted to Christ. uh, And she loves to hear him speak. Martha's not very pleased, and we'll look at that in a minute. But she's already in a good place. But the very next chapter, it tells us about another feast. This, This is another feast that they have for Jesus. And they have it in honor of Jesus because of what he's done for Lazarus. And then it tells us that while they're at the feast, Mary comes in and she opens up, she breaks this this alabasca um, container, and then it contains one pound of pure nard. And this pure nard would cost in today's money between twenty and 30,000 pounds. It was the most precious thing she had. It was something that, that she, she held on dearly to, and she took this and she broke it and she poured the perfume over Jesus and she wiped his feet with her hair. So precious was it that Judas, who was the treasurer, said, uh, Wait a minute, what is she doing? Why, why, why would you allow her to do this, Jesus? This, this could feed the poor for a year. And he complains about the cost of it. Mary does it because of her deeper devotion to Christ. How do I know that? Well, the reason we know that is because we only had a feast a short while before, and she's seated at the feet of Jesus. She still had that. If you imagine if she had that, that, that perfume, that very expensive perfume, she's had it for many, many years, and she's had it for a very, very special occasion. And, and, and many times that she'd listen to Jesus preach or Jesus speak, She had never ever used it before. She was devoted to Jesus. But after this event of, of raising Lazarus from the dead, her devotion grew even deeper, and therefore she was willing to give her all, no matter what others thought, and she was criticized for it. Of course she was criticized for it. And Jesus says, don't criticize for it. She has done it because of her devotion and because she is perceiving that this is close to my death. So Mary, because of this event, became more devoted to Christ. And there's events in your life, events that some people might think are really harsh and really difficult, events that maybe would crush many, many people, and maybe have crushed you at times. But you have sensed God's presence as he has led and guided and blessed you. He has, he has given you the strength to cope with the difficulties and what that has done for you that has deepened your faith in him and and you're more committed to him because of that event even though it was a difficult event because you knew that through that event christ was with you he was living within you giving you his strength his grace and his mercy and you're more devoted to him because of that that's what happened to mary and that's what can happen to us If we focus on Christ as we go through difficult times. Very often we go through difficult times. It's easy to focus on the event. The event can be so difficult and so hurtful that our focus is on the event. Or the focus can can be on the people who caused the event. It was his his fault or her fault or whatever. We can focus on whose fault it is and the difficulty of it. Or we can focus on God who promises to to strengthen us and give us the grace to cope with these difficult situations. That's what Mary did. And her devotion to Jesus grew deeper. That She she wanted to show that devotion. And the only way that she could show it is to get the most precious thing she had and give it to Jesus and pour it out as a love offering to Christ and use her hair, the the most precious part of her body, to wash the feet of Jesus, to show that she was more devoted to him. My prayer is that both you and me, that when when life events happen to us, that what we do is we focus on who Christ is. We, we, We ask him for help and grace and mercy. And through those difficult days, we become more like Jesus. Our devotion to him is so much stronger and more folk might criticize us for our devotion and maybe because we're extravagant in our service people may think that we're odd. Mary didn't mind because she was focused on Christ. So that's the first person. That's, that's what happened to Mary uh, with this difficult event in her life. She was devoted before but she was even more devoted to Christ because of it. Let's look at Martha. How was Martha's life changed uh, because of this uh, situation? Well, again, we'll look at these two feasts. There was a feast beforehand and a feast after the event. The feast beforehand, uh, Jesus comes to their home and Jesus is teaching. And, uh, and as he's teaching, the folk are lapping up what he's saying. It's wonderful what Jesus is saying. And Mary loves it. And then the door bursts open. And in marches Martha and says, look, Jesus, this is unfair. This is ridiculous. You tell Mary that her place is not there and her place should be in the kitchen. She should be peeling the spuds. She should be doing this, that, and this, whatever it might be. Get her in the kitchen. This is ridiculous. That's where she should be. That's where, where our service is. It's not sitting there listening to you. And Jesus has to tell Martha off to say, listen, Martha, Mary has chosen the better part. Martha was a server. Oh, Martha loved to serve. But she knew it. She knew it. Martha, as she served Jesus, and she was very happy to serve Jesus, but she had a problem. Her problem was she thought that others didn't serve like her. And others didn't do the things that she should do. That's the type of person who says, you know, people don't know what I do in this church. See if I left Orangefield... Boy, they would notice me. And, and and actually I am leaving Orangefield and you won't notice <laughs> and you won't notice me at all, but that's, that's another thing. But but you know, they'll be saying, you know what, you know, look what I do, I do this and I do that, and I do that. I do things that people have no idea what I do. If people knew what I did, they would appreciate me more. I am so, so busy. The things that I do in Orangefield. And and, 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 and you like to serve. But you like to show it, and you like everybody else to know, and you're a bit annoyed because there's a ton of people here who don't serve enough. You know, I do this, but see her over there? She doesn't serve enough. See him over there? He definitely doesn't serve enough. And, and, and we start pointing the fingers and thinking, if people served like me, Orangefield would be a far better church. If people did the things that I did in this church, things would be so much better they don't. Lord, why don't you get those other people to serve more? Why is it folk that may have to carry everything? They say that the 20% of the church do the work uh, where 80% sit and watch them. And that might be true, but sometimes some of the 20% know it's true and think about it. That's unfair. See that 20% or that 80%? They're useless. They're useless. They do nothing. I wish they would get off their backside and do something in the church. Because they're too busy sitting and and they're takers. They're not willing to be givers. That's Martha. That's what Martha was like. So she served. And she didn't mind serving. But she got annoyed because there was others who weren't willing to serve. Or who were doing things that really... That's not what they should be doing. This is what they should be doing. If they concentrated on what they should be doing, it would be far better than doing other things. That's what Martha was like. Then this event took place where her brother died. She was devastated. And then Jesus raised him from the dead. And then we hear about this other feast, that this feast is in honour of Jesus. And what does it tell us? It tells us nothing about Martha in the sense that she is serving and she just loves to serve. In other words, she has learned through this, this, this event that serving Jesus, that's what it's all about. It's not about what other people do. It's recognizing that it's what we do for Christ. That's what counts. What the other 80% are doing, that's up to them. That's between them and the Lord. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's, that's, that's what Martha has learned because of this difficult experience. She has learnt that serving Christ, that's what it's all about. It's not about comparing me to others. It's not about comparing what I've done and what they have done, and and, and let's say who's done the most. That's not what it's about. It's about saying, Lord, how do you want me to serve? And if no one else serves in orange field, that's fine. What do you want me to do? Because I want to serve you. I want to do what you call me to do, and I want to do it to the best of my ability. That's how Martha changed. No longer was she complaining about Mary washing the feet of Jesus. She should be in the kitchen washing the dishes. That's what she should be washing. Forget about his feet. It's the dishes that need wash. No, that's not what you hear. She's very content now to serve Jesus, for she recognizes it's all about how she can serve him. And it's not about her judging what others do. It's about how she serves. That's how she was transformed through this difficult event. But what about Lazarus? Well, we don't really know much about Lazarus. And in the sense that he doesn't speak. And remember that's typical when you've got two women in the house and one man. The man never speaks. I'm not quite sure. But poor Lazarus. We don't hear him speaking uh, at all. Well, how is he transformed? Well, again, uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, but I think I'm right. We don't hear much about Lazarus before this event. All we know is he's always paired, you know, Lazarus, oh, that's Mary and Martha's brother, you know. And uh, so what, we know that he's Mary and Martha's brother, and we know that Jesus loved him. So we know that he's a disciple. We know that he's following Jesus, but we don't know much more. So what has changed? But well, what has changed from what we understand, we find at the end of, of chapter 11. I was wanting to read the whole chapter, but I thought, I oh, better or not, it's far too long. But what we noticed at the end of the chapter is this. The Pharisees are fuming. This is the last straw, as I said, and they thought, right, this is it. No matter what, Jesus has to die. But then there's another wee verse. And it says, Do you know, he also has to die. Lazarus. Lazarus also has to die. In other words, Lazarus obviously, because of this event, has been around telling people, I want to tell you I was dead and now I'm alive. And and and, and because of, of what he was doing, he also has to die. Because I can assure you, if Lazarus continued to be his quiet wee self and hadn't said a word, he wouldn't be mentioned. But he also has to die. Because of what has happened. And I think that's because he too has learned to be more open and alive about his faith. He's learned to be more confident in who he is in Christ. I'm convinced that's the case. That's why I think the are saying he has to go because if Jesus was the only one to go and Lazarus with his only quiet self, that would soon die out. But the fact that Lazarus must be going around telling everybody of all these great things then they decide that he has to die as well. So Lazarus has learned through this difficult experience how to shine more for Jesus. How to be more radiant for him. How to show in what he says and what he does and how he thinks. Because people think, well, people don't know what I think. And people don't know what you think. But very often what you think shows in your face. You know, now sometimes people come in and you think, that's a lovely heart. And, 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 and you say one thing, but your face shows that your mind is thinking, that is the most awful hat that I've seen in my life, you know. Oh, that's a lovely tie. Somebody said to in the song, that's a lovely tie. But it was the way he said it, I knew he was thinking, that's a shocking looking tie, Danny's wearing. It's a Northern Ireland tie, by the way, so it's a lovely tie. And, uh, and so, so you can, not people think, it doesn't matter what I think, because nobody else hears it. And of course, we know the Lord hears it, but that's actually not True. Everybody hears what you think. Because you tend to show it in your attitude. I tend to show it in my attitude. So I might might say the right thing, but I'm thinking something different. There's just something about my attitude will show that I'm thinking something different. And Lazarus has learned to shine more for Jesus. As he speaks, as he thinks, and as he acts. And we will come through many difficult events, many difficult times, and maybe many good times too. And as we trust in Jesus through these difficult times, and we learn to to rely on him, then we will be like Lazarus. We will shine through these difficult times. Because when we spend time with Jesus, we become more like Jesus. Remember Moses, when he went up the mountain and he came back? He was glowing, glowing with the glory of the Lord. In fact, he was glowing so much that nobody wanted to look at him. That's what you and I are like. No matter what the circumstances are, we can glow for Christ when we stay close to him. Difficult circumstances, and yet he went through it. If it was difficult for Mary and Martha, imagine what it was like for Lazarus. Now, that was difficult. Imagine whenever he's lying there dead, And the first thing he hears is the voice of the Lord. And he's wrapped up in the cloths of death. Difficult experience. But he learned to shine more for Jesus. And the last person very, very quickly. Uh, And not that he's been transformed through this. But Thomas, I want to correct a misunderstanding. I actually did this one time, you know. uh, Me texting, what? Why is that? Oh, Sorry. I've missed a part of that out so he texts see, see when you reach my age so he, he, texts, he texts to his daughter your mum is in hospital LOL and his daughter texts back what do you mean LOL why is that so funny he says well what would he mean uh, that, that, that's not funny he says well why have you text laugh out loud and the father texts back laugh out loud I thought you meant loss of love I text that one time to a girl LOL thinking loss of love and she takes back and says, What do you mean? And, uh, and I had to ask Dawn, my daughter, What does LOL mean? Because everybody would think loss of love, but it means laugh out loud. We can, we can do the wrong thing at the wrong time. And I think Thomas is somebody we've misunderstood. Uh, and for years we've misunderstood him. And even though we, we can correct our idea of Thomas, we tend to still misunderstand him because our first impression of Thomas is that he's doubting Thomas. Or oh, Thomas, or oh, he's doubting Thomas was Thomas is one of the bravest disciples that Jesus had. And yet we, we have badly called him Doubting Thomas, and I think that's really unfair. And, and the reason we call him Doubting Thomas is because of one event that I can assure you, if you were Thomas in that event, you would have said the exact same. If any other disciple was Thomas in that occasion, they would have said the exact same. Remember the event where we're, Jesus comes and and he shows himself to the disciples uh, after the resurrection. And they can't believe him. It's amazing that he's he's, he's alive again. But poor old Thomas wasn't there. Thomas comes back and he said, we've seen Jesus. We've seen Jesus. And he said, no, no. We've honestly seen Jesus. No, he says, unless I get touching his hand and his side, I will not believe that he's, he's risen again. And then Jesus comes back. And when he sees Jesus, he bows down and worships him. And from that event, we have called him Doubting Thomas. I think that's really unfair. Because most of the disciples, in fact, all of the disciples, did not believe in that Sunday morning that Jesus was going to be raised from the dead. When the women went to the tomb, not one of them thought, let's go to the tomb, Jesus is arisen. Not one of them. They went thinking, oh my goodness, we've gone here and we haven't thought about this. Who's going to move away the stone for us? And the plonker uh, disciples back in the house, they don't bother coming to help them move the stone. They haven't even got up early to help the women. Not one of them thought about the stone. They all were doubting. They were all convinced that Jesus was dead. The two disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus walks alongside them, they have no idea who he is. And it's not until they're breaking bread that they get it who Jesus is, that Jesus has revealed to them. And poor Thomas is called Doubting Thomas because of that. And yet they all doubted. And if you and I were in that same situation, we all doubted. And therefore, I want us to forget about that. It's really hard to, because that's, that's the first impression you have of Thomas. But I'm asking you to forget that, because this is a better understanding of Thomas. This is the part of Thomas that, that we see that no other disciple had. Thomas, when he doubted, was just like the other disciples. But it was Thomas who said, let's go back and die with him. It was Thomas that whenever Jesus said, this is the time to go back, we want to go back and and, and see Lazarus. And the disciples said, don't go back there. Just a few days ago, they tried to stone you. Do not go back. It would be awful if you went back. Don't go back. And Jesus says, I'm going. And it's Thomas who says, let's go and we will die with him. Thomas knows that if he goes back, he's gone back to certain death. And he was willing to go back along with him, to die with him. That's a man of courage. That's not a man of doubt. And what we need to do, learn from that, is... Very often we have a first impression of somebody. And it sticks. First impressions are really, really strong. Wasn't it Margaret Thatcher who said, when I have a first impression from somebody, I very seldom change it. That's wrong. Because first impressions can be wrong. We need to learn to understand somebody and then allow that understanding to make sure that it gives us an understanding of who he is or that who she is. And that allows us to determine who that person is. First impressions can be ever so wrong. Thomas is not a doubting Thomas. Thomas is courageous Thomas, who was willing to go and die with him. And he doubted with all the other disciples. Events in our lives. Very often we use events to... to, Drift away from Jesus. I don't know how many times I've talked with people and said, if Jesus or if God was God, why do you allow my little sister to die? If God is God, why do you allow my dad to die? If God is God, why is there so much evil? They look at events and they say, why does God allow that to happen? And they're looking at events and they're judging God from their perspective. And what we need to do is look at events and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this event? How are you going to help me grow deeper into you? How are you going to help me to serve you more? How are you going to help me to shine for you through this very difficult event? And when we do that, boy, our life is transformed. Let's pray together. Father, again we come before you and we thank you for who you are. You're the great God. You're the great God who loves us. You're the great God who has saved us from our sin and from Satan and from condemnation. And you're the same God who fills us with your spirit and who transforms us as as, as the caterpillar is transformed into the butterfly, you transform us into something that is awful, into something that is beautiful in your sight and help us, Lord, as we live this life and we're involved in many different events many of them are very, very difficult help us not to judge you using our own understanding but help us to walk closer with you so that you'll continue to transform us. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.